from an economical perspective, last week they just repaid a part of their loan or of their bonds. And if you're going to pay and, and shell out so much foreign currency that you're actually struggling to get, um, there's no point in paying out if you're eventually decided to lash out uh, a nuclear bomb. That is not going to happen, really. I, I am not afraid at all. It's just Putin and, and his cronies pushing this agenda to cause afraid and have um, EU and all the, not only EU, but EU, US, UK, all the partners and allies of Ukraine that are supporting, do not be afraid of this. Do not let this fear deter this fear. Push it back. This is the time now that we push that big bully of, of a dictator, of a country, of a government that is trying to cause that fear. Actually, we let the, we let, we, it's our fault, uh, what's happening now because we let Putin in 2014 to bully not only invade Ukraine but stand ground there and we let them because we're afraid or we're defending economical interests but now no more that is out of the question Putin and Russia need to stop and we have to push them to stop there will be no nuclear war because he they will be destroyed and their interest is economical. All they care is about money. They don't even care about their own soldiers. So they care about their skins and their pockets. And that's all that matters. So we keep pushing. EU is taking too much time, but we will get there. And we are going to get there. And we need to continue and spread the support to Ukraine. Unconditional. It's, we cannot, cannot falter because they are giving their lives for the free world, for democracy. And it's our obligation, our moral duty to support them without any restrictions. And anyone that tries to think about their own skin, please stop this. Think about the children, think about the women, think about what they're suffering. We have to support them because otherwise we are no better than those murderer people that are, that are assassinating such a such a beautiful people and and we cannot stand bullies it's out it's time to stop they need to go back they need to retreat they need to stop the war and ukraine goes back to the borders of 1991 international recognized borders and that's it and the sanctions continue because they need to be contained i'm sorry but they need to continue to be contained economical values Profit do not and should not ever be more valued than human beings, than lives. Because I don't know, I, I'm sure everyone remembers, and most of us here on Twitter, I'm not a fan of social media, but as soon as in 24, I opened this account because I wanted to do something and to also to contribute to Marie Aid, which is a very important cause. But I must tell you, that we saw, uh, I'm sure most of us saw this lady in one of the first demonstrations who was saying, please correct me if I'm saying wrong, um, if 
Russia stops, the war stops. If Ukraine stops, there will be no more Ukraine. And this could not be more true. For those who don't know, Russia is trying to exterminate, is committing genocide. So please, 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 please stop. We are no longer afraid of bullies. We were afraid in 2014 and we backed down. We cannot back down now. It's it's impossible. We have to stop this and we can stop this. And we know we are stopping this. Continue to listen to this space. You'll, you'll understand why I've learned so much. And although the technical conversations, you will understand why. Because they are staying on the same space. They cannot, they are very ineffective. Basically, the second, um, the second largest or best army uh, of the world is a big fat joke. So do not be afraid. Please, I beg of you. Thank you. Thank you, Peaceful Ukraine. Um, I, I do remember Julia or uh, Linda, who was the first? Julia? Okay, and I don't okay, know. Sure. Thank you okay, very sure. much. Julia, go, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, hello. And uh, I'm calling from Germany, so I just wanted to make a short comment on this, uh, uh, on Scholz. So I wouldn't quote him. Uh, at least I wouldn't quote him without an explanation and a comment as well. Scholz is using this nuclear debate, also this uh, so this uh, saying about nuclear war and uh, that this dangerous as an excuse. And every time talking about Scholz and German government, especially Social Democrats, but also Merkel and so on, I would add at least a little bit about their connections with Russia, about the mistakes in the past which led to this dependency of Germany to Russian oil and gas and so on. And I really think it's very, very important to mention that to analyze why is Scholz using this nuclear war narrative? Is it a real uh, so, uh, concern or is it an additional excuse? And I'm really sorry that he's using this all the time. And for a short, like a short remember, so to remember, how did it develop? How did the, um, even the behavior of Scholz develop since the beginning of the war? On the first day, uh, probably all of you, so many of you know, so like Germany was against uh, support to Ukraine. So, and Scholz changed the opinion. I remember this day very well. It was on Sunday. It was the fourth day of the war. And it was about uh, after the huge demonstration in Berlin, in the center of Berlin, uh, and Scholz made this first statement, okay, we are changing our mind. We are going to support Ukraine also with weapons. So I think uh, Scholz is still depending on public opinion and everyone can support this, uh, like change this public opinion. Uh, we shouldn't just listen, okay, our chancellor is saying something. So we listen and we support. No, we should question why he's saying this. Is it just uh, like delivering this propaganda from Russia or is he really concerned? And also about the first day of the war, uh, you certainly remember what Russia said on the first day, don't get involved. It was so bullish, it was extremely, it was outrageous, but they really said it to the Western states, 
don't get involved otherwise you are going to regret it and this bullish approach uh, i'm so happy nobody also at least most of the states didn't listen and i think it's the same with this nuclear dangerous they are using it as a bullish bullish as a try to like to make everybody afraid and it's also the obligation of western states leaders not to repeat this russian sayings but to question it to analyze it and to change uh, change also the narrative and the last point about this letter from intellectuals in germany because uh, also we cannot just say uh, 30 intellectuals wrote the letter because even the word intellectual implies something positive like people who analyze who read who studied but if you read this letter, what they are writing in this letter, it's outrageous. And also Ukrainian community in Germany, also many Ukrainian from government, from Ukrainian government, they already responded to this letter because this letter is like denying also human rights. It's like completely uh, reversing victim and so this brutal bullish uh, position from Russia. So we cannot just say a letter from intellectuals without at least explaining who those so-called intellectuals are because i think now it's really the time not for authorities but for every single person as peaceful ukraine was saying so uh, we were most of uh, maybe some of us were weren't even on the twitter before this war or weren't present in social media but now it's the time to question the authorities the point that somebody's chancellor doesn't mean he's smarter and he's saying the truth. She question all the time and uh, with the goal to change the public opinion and to change the behavior of politicians through this public opinion. So thank you very much. It was a comment. Thank you. You can put me out from the speakers. Thank you, Julia. Can I just quick? answer to oh. Julia because she, she referred to Louis. all points of me. <laughs> yeah, just just secondary. Um, I think we'll try to follow the order as we're giving the opportunity you, you to talk and uh, there are a lot of people who are requesting to talk and actually trying to talk okay. right now. So just give it a bit of a time if you can. Um, I also wanted to comment quickly on, you know, kind of um, on Schultz specifically, because even Schultz started to change his rhetoric as the war continues. Uh, and quite recently, when he was uh, speaking publicly, uh, he said that to tell Ukrainians to stop asking for weaponry is absolutely, you know, abnormal thing that you can ask them for because they're asking, you know, they're fighting for their existence. So this is a completely different narrative that he had in, uh, you know, in February when he was telling that uh, basically Ukrainians, you know, they should try to settle this and they should fight. So at least we're seeing some changes and that's good to know. Uh, Linda, please um, go ahead. Hi, thanks. Um, my opinion, um, as a systems analyst, I wish uh, Dr. Tom the Shrink were part of this conversation, but as a systems analyst, uh, those people who, um, and there are a lot, um, and it's pretty endemic, who are uh, presuming that uh, if we help um, Ukraine too much uh, by supplying a, um, uh, weaponry, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, it, it, supporting them and defending themselves, that that will somehow lead to uh, a greater risk 
of uh, nuclear, uh, you know, Putin pulling the nuclear trigger. If that is their fear, then um, that the alternative to that is that by not stopping Putin, by not curbing him, um, that fear doesn't, you know, th that risk doesn't go away. So to the extent that there may be a risk that they're talking about, and I'm not saying that there is, I'm saying that, you know, people are saying that there's a risk if we support Ukraine too much, then that's, you know, that's going to be justification for Putin to pull the nuclear trigger. But when you're dealing with a bully, an abuser, a psychopath, megalomaniac, et cetera, et cetera, not stopping them poses, would pose that same fear. So the presumption of, you know, not getting our hands involved and not supporting Ukraine takes away that fear, that nuclear fear is totally illogical. And it's not systems thinking, it's inconsistent with system science, right? Because you have to curb, um, uh, it's called a positive feedback loop, right? So it's feed forward. So if he's not stopped, like any kind of a bully, any kind of an abuser, domestic abuser, whatever, if they're not stopped, they will continue to get worse because they haven't been curbed. They need to be curbed, right? So um, I guess I'll just drop it at that. So thank you. Thank you, Linda, for your comment. Uh, I believe uh, they, I think it was Dan John who was next, and then it will be Alec Wendy. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, so actually, uh, Linda just said what I was thinking about as well. That I mean, there's uh, we don't have a, s a status quo uh, uh, situation. I mean, there, there's a fear of the nukes. I understand that, but there should also there should be an equal fear of of the alternative. Uh, if there is an all-out war, we are all destroyed. <laughs> if we let this uh, continue without our um, involvement, uh, we're also all, all destroyed. I mean, our, our way of life will be uh, completely uh, destroyed and our economies and so on. So, and with that in mind, I mean, there's uh, some things are, are worth fighting for. And, and um, I think this is the one, if nothing else, this is the one worth fighting for. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. I like Wendy. Go ahead. Uh, thanks, um, Dr. Ruden and uh, Slava Ukraini. Um, I'd, I'd like to make a couple of comments. First, on this ridiculous nuclear war um, debate, uh, and on the, the political debate within Europe. So, the nuclear war is not an extension of policy. It is the end of everything. Um, we know this. The the Kremlin knows this. Um, and uh, and 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 that is that is the bottom line here. Um, I think uh, Austin's already said something similar along these lines. Now I, I can't think of anything I've ever agreed with Boris Johnson about. But in Britain, <clears throat> we called Putin's bluff from the start of this war with regards to nuclear war. Um, in the last sixty-eight days in the UK, we've had so many threats of being wiped out. It's become just like the Earth turning on its axis. Um, the latest threat apparently involves a one kilometer high wall of water, which the Kremlin dictator is saying we sh we in the UK should expect. 
that maybe all British people should make plans to scale Nelson's column in Trafalgar Square and go and live up there. You know, we we don't back down to threats like this, and we greatly respect Ukraine for not backing down um, in the face of this 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 terrible invasion. Um, within the within the EU, um, I mean, saying I, I share the sentiments of some of the previous speakers, but saying that the EU will get there in the end is simply not good enough. This rhetoric is is now dead, and the war has passed it by. Um, you know, having resistance to, uh, for example, the cargo flights um, into Ukraine, which are banned from Hungarian airspace, it seems, um, these are being diverted. This directly impacts human lives on the ground. A one minute delay in that supply chain, <clears throat> just a one minute delay can literally mean a one minute delay in a round on target in the in the battlefields to prevent another Ukrainian life being lost. That is the impact of this, these delays. That is the impact of this redundant debate which is happening in Germany and, and other places. Um, so at this point, Germany and other countries, I, I, I won't name, but I, I'm in touch with people from these countries. They are really no longer in a debating stage, no matter how, how long they, uh, how much they might think they are how valid they think that debate is. It is no longer valid. They are actually complicit in this delay. They are complicit in the delay of um, assisting the, the saving of Ukrainian lives. Um, the, you know, the, the, these leopard um, armoured anti-aircraft vehicles, they're not tanks, you know, but they're, they're, they're they're there. They're there with a specific. They, they have a specific purpose to shoot down <clears throat> incoming um, air forces or caliber cruise missiles. Those those cruise missiles have a flight ceiling of a thousand meters. They don't travel as fast as artillery, and at the moment they're being fired from the Black Sea and they're taking out Ukrainian hospitals. Then they're ensuring that an operation which might save a life does not save a life. Um, you know, such weaponry saves lives. It saves Ukrainian lives. So um, I just think that the, the the nuclear war debate has to end. You've got a Europe has to call the Kremlin's bluff and say, go ahead if you want to end everything. Um, we are not afraid. And the debate about whether to send vehicles into Ukraine um, and whether to prevent, you know, whether to send anything into Ukraine which helps them win this war. This, this, this is a this is a debate which is this will be looked upon poorly by historians of the future. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's all very well the European Union um, politicians saying that they want to help. That's great. Um, it's all very well them saying that they're going to sanction Hungary for making delays to this supply chain. But what is actually need, needed is, is, uh, is the absence of this delay, and it's needed now. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's really, I think, what we need to narrow the focus down to here. Thanks.
No, th- th- thank you, Wendy, and uh, I like Wendy. Sorry, I know you're not called Wendy, but uh, it's probably Wendy, not fine. <laughs> yeah, you made some great interest. You made some great points here, and I-, I had a little chuckle when you mentioned Nelson's call, and I just, I just pictured everyone trying to get up the shard, um, because because there's a big because there's a big wave coming. There'll be a huge. I'm sure Miko knows what I'm talking about. A big queue to get up the shard, and and everyone trying to get on London Eye to try and. To try and get out of the way of this tidal wave, you know, it's absolutely crazy, and and it's it's mental because I, I'm not big, I'm not Boris's biggest fan, and I've said this, I've never been Boris's biggest fan, but some people would have thought the way Boris has held things in the past that when 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 statements like this were made, you would expect him to go all out hell for a lever and make some crazy decision, but this has shown that. Boris has some very good advisors around him, some some very well, some very experienced military heads around him who know exactly how to plot and play this. And he, for one, now, if you look into Boris Johnson, he is notoriously known for going in, hell for lever, bullish as hell, not thinking about what he says and just says something silly, right? He'd done the exact same with Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe. And it cost her six years in Iran, but we won't go into that. He's not some things you cannot trust a man with, with what he might say, but with the Ukraine, with the the war in Ukraine and the, and and Russia, he's done. He has held. He has dealt with the whole matter perf- perfectly. And I, I'm saying that from somebody that does not support his party and does not support him. He has dealt with this incredibly well, and his party have dealt with it incredibly well. And and I. <coughs> I wish to see more governments around the world doing the same and and, and, and in the EU because it, it just all boils down to we need to. It, it, it's part of being a civilised society and, 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 and helping out our, our, our family and our friends, our brothers and our sisters, however you might see it, in their hour of need. And, um, yeah, I, I think the, the bullish... The, the 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 nuclear talk um it, it was done to try and scare some and I, I truly believe some thought Boris might make some crazy decision uh, some crazy move because he has been known for doing that in, in the past but he's dealt with it entirely uh, professionally he's got his he's got his advisors around him doing the right thing and I, yeah I just think we have dealt with in the past for how many years we deal with the Russian submarines, warships, planes on our shores and skies. Nothing like what Ukraine has to put up with at the moment. And I I just believe now that Russia are slowly but surely coming to the end of their tether. To the end of where after this they will not be able to test countries around the world and and test their ability and, and try and annoy them. The best part of Russia is their submarine fleet. And at the moment, that's all they're having to utilise is their submarine fleet because every other part of their military has been has been destroyed. It's been absolutely hammered. Hence why they've now turned to the Black Sea fleet to to launch and, and lob caliber cruise missiles all day, all night. Because that's the only thing that they know we can use that nobody can hit at the moment. At the moment, there's nothing that the Ukrainians have that can take out a submarine. Yet, yet, that that might that might change, and I guess it, I, I I put my I put my money where my mouth is, and I say it will change. They will be given a a, a, a system that that will be able to remove. Um, 
Yeah. Would you mind allowing the ancient submariner and uh, having a word on this? Yeah, I was just about to finish, Axel. No, I'm just highlighting because you just hit the right sweet spot as always. Not yet. On you go, ancient. Hello, uh, awesome speech. <laughs> you're right. You're right on every point. Um, uh, <clears throat> okay, so yeah, uh, I like Wendy mentioned as well. You know, there's um, there's a complacent, uh, complacent uh, attitude. Um, it's politics. There's co- there's a complacent attitude uh, amongst <clears throat> far too many people who live on the live on the benefits of the fear factor, where they uh, exploit people's fears and anxieties in their politics. And I think that's what we're seeing in, in parts of Germany, parts of the UK as well, parts of a lot of countries where they want to um, uh, put the brakes on things or maybe um, temper down certain responses that are, that are being initiated uh, by well-meaning and correct governments. There's um, um, a lot of hindrance in that politic um i know there's ostpolitik in germany and there's other things that uh, that uh, go with how that um uh, europe has dealt with the east uh, in the in the past but it's all as as i like wendy said it's all um defunct now um the the wolves come out of the sheep's clothing you can see it um and uh, what we're seeing now is uh, that what about two weeks ago i think maybe a little bit longer the Russians started changing their tactic. They started attacking the west of um, uh, Ukraine. They started attacking vital supply lines when they could identify them. They started attacking uh, points just over the border from the uh, um, from Slovakia. They know that the efforts to legitimately, legitimately trade with the Ukraine by the west in items that they want to use against Russia is having a massive effect. And they have been brought down to this standstill where they have to kind of pose out some kind of bullshit rhetoric where they say they've uh, made some kind of great victory. They're trying to instigate an insurrection in um, Moldova uh, and it's not working. And they have been pushed down to this um, submarine effort. Um, Their boats, I don't know... um, the diesel boats in the Black Sea that they're using, um, they can, uh, let's say they fully load, full war stock. They get the magazine completely full of uh, torpedoes and missiles. Um, and they have their war load on. They have enough food to last however long. Uh, if they go out and they don't want to be uh, detected, they don't want anyone to know exactly where they are. Um, they'll obviously reduce their mast exposure. They'll reduce their operations in certain areas in order to limit uh, counter detection. Um, and let's say they go on batteries alone uh, for those periods where maybe they're going inshore quite a bit in order to gather intel, uh, uh, you know, which is a very dangerous thing. Um, let's say you know, they, they really, really work hard. They got between one and two weeks worth of um, operational uh, patrolling there before they have to then go back out to a designated safer area closer to the Crimea, which is part of Ukraine, and uh, then charge the batteries before then going back into patrol areas and making their stores and equipment last as long as they can. Um, And then they have to pick out these targets uh, with these missiles, um, which (laughs) they're not... They're not the best, but they certainly are a potent threat. 
uh, and you know I'm sure there are moves to getting something in there that can uh, counter these uh, missiles and also to um, put the uh, um, Russian submarines at arm's length because that's all he got it really is all he's got um, <clears throat> he's uh, they've been to put it you know quite jovially they've had their pants pulled down and spanked really hard now, they can't commit more than they want to because they realise now that if they just pile everything in, they're going to end up um, weakening themselves in areas they don't want to be weakened. And, and their threat disappears and suddenly then uh, people will start piling in. They're balancing their, the way that they're working uh, with the fears of uh, certain countries and certain political divides within the West. And on the submarine point again, the only other thing they've got, because we know how um, how uh, vulnerable they are, the only other thing they've got is the big nuclear submarines. Now, <clears throat> I don't think they're stupid enough to start firing missiles over over other countries' territory. But you know, if this rhetoric doesn't stop uh, in certain Western countries and within certain divides politically within certain Western countries then what you will find is that they will chance their arm at something. I don't think they'll be launching cruise missiles right across France, Germany and over to Ukraine. But I think they will look, they will seek to utilise any crack in um, Western uh, politics to do what they want to do and, and rely on people saying, oh, well, you know, they're not hitting us. We can just complain strongly. But, you know, I think maybe that, that playbook's gone as well because they've, they've been doing that since uh, they invaded and uh, annexed Crimea, which is part of Ukraine. Um, and I don't think it's going to work. So o OSINT is absolutely right. They, they've got uh, four diesel submarines there in the Black Sea. They can't utilise them any more than they can. They've got to keep on top of maintenance for that as well. Um, and I think, to be honest... Um, as long as people start having mysterious fires in certain parts of Russia, uh, then this is uh, going to curtail as well because they don't seem to be having the effect that they want them to either. Bang on. Cheers for that, Ancient. It's always great to have a subby's, uh, a subby's view on it. So, well, we'll... Mikola, on you go. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your comments. Um, it was definitely nice to hear those things. Uh, just to add a bit of about Moldova specifically. So two hours ago, the uh, European Union pledged to increase military support to Moldova. So um, and the idea behind this is to uh, kind of put enough military support that um, the region of Transnistria will not try to even think about starting a war against Moldova or trying to join the forces with Russian military and go against Ukraine. Um, so that was quite a big thing. And also wanted to comment specifically one of the major things. Um, I think I think it was Dan or like Wendy who mentioned that every single minute um, by uh, deterring the supplies, something like that, that may actually uh, not save someone. And I just wanted to say one of the bigger issues that we have nowadays is unfortunately the blockade, the sea blockade that actually Russians organized. And... Um, and even though they're gradually losing their ships, it's still a major issue because Ukraine cannot export 
the grains, they cannot export the, the agriculture production and other stuff, and it cannot also import the stuff from European Union or other countries. And that significantly also slows down the processes cause done. So it has to be done only through the land or through the, through the air to the neighboring countries, which is also reducing the time. Um, yeah, just to comment on those two things. And the last bit I wanted to add that basically in Russia, they released the, um, the scheme of the parade and funnily enough, uh, they will present uh, the plane called EU-90, sorry, EU-80, that is responsible for, um, it's basically a plane where Putin is supposed to sit uh, during the nuclear strike to actually order it. So doomsday plane, they call it yes, a doomsday plane. Exactly, exactly, doomsday plane. So the interesting part is that basically uh, the plane didn't, didn't take part in the parade since uh, 2010. So it's going to be the first time since that time, and we'll see how it goes. Can I, Gosh, one other question. Oh, yeah. Did anyone see yesterday that it was actually mentioned? I meant to 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 say it. It was about um, Hungary and Serbia, and 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 what they're playing and 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 their part that they're playing in this. So, if anyone here is into flight radar and tracking planes. Last night, you would have seen a certain plane had to take a, a, a huge detour. He had to go all the way out, basically, to Italy, up the side of Italy, and then into Poland. Why? Why would you not fly right across the centre of Europe? Well, when you have Hungary and Serbia blocking Ukraine from using their airspace to fly certain types of equipment... Things become a bit sticky. So last night, the Ukraine, the 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 company that are moving equipment for the for for Ukraine had to fly a plane on 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 a huge detour. It made the journey twice, if not two and a half times as long as it should have been, because Serbia and Hungary refused to let Ukrainian um, equipment. It doesn't even need to be a Ukrainian registered plane if there's if there is equipment on board which is bound for. Ukrainian hands, it is not allowed to pass. Ukrainian airspace, eh, eh, Hungarian airspace, or Serbian airspace, and this is just more of the of the tittle tattle politics that's going on in the EU that needs to be eradicated immediately. Yes, sorry, sorry, Nicola and um, Austin. Just before I drop down, I I'd like to. Um, to 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 echo that the 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 impacts of this delay the one minute delay in the supply chain um meaning a delay a one minute delay on the grounds uh meaning the cost of another ukrainian life this this is equally true um with regards to the one minute delay that is faced by people dying of starvation as a result of a lack of grain imports to their country due to the due to the black sea blockade um and and whoever else, where, wherever they are in the world, um, being part of this supply chain, you know, th these delays in in the flights and the cargo flights literally are part of of the of the wider impact of this war. Ukraine faces an existential crisis. Uh, crisis. It is an existential crisis for the wider world. Um, you know, Ukraine is the beating heart of freedom at the moment within all free people. And it requires international solidarity. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, sorry to jump in the queue again, but I just wanted to to echo that. You can drop me down. Slava Ukraini. Thank you. Thank you, Ukraini Slava. Axel. Sorry, apologies. I have a little wind noise in the back. If you give me uh, one minute, I can revert back to some of the notes you made. And by the way, I commend you for the fantastic speech. It was not around, it was spot on. Thank you, Axel. Thank you. We will go uh, Luis, then Armand Roy. Hi again. Uh, I have to say that, that I'm loving this discussion. Um, I just wanted to answer to two points that uh, Julia uh, said. Uh, uh, she's also in Germany, and uh, she spoke uh, a few minutes ago. Um, of course, um, here in Germany, especially, we have we have to point out um, the politics that have been made the last twenty years, and mostly the last sixteen years by Merkel with with Russia. Uh, they were building Nord Stream 2, uh, a new pipeline to, to get gas from Russia that was uh, cancelled now. But there are so deep boundaries uh, between uh, German parties and, and Russia that, uh, for me, in my opinion, uh, I, I, uh, Julia is right. Um, the excuses that Scholz is making right now, not um, delivering heavy weapons, has to do um, completely um, with the last 20 years. Uh, you can go through my uh, tweet, uh, uh, Twitter profile. I, I was one of the first uh, uh, persons, I think, uh, criticizing Scholz um, that... Uh, He's uh, just reacting this way because he's uh, securing his Gazprom uh, seat uh, in Russia, like like Schroeder, and um, absolutely. But I think that most of the people in the world, in Europe, know about these boundaries. And uh, regarding the, the letter that uh, I also mentioned, um, I mean, it was it is a letter. 30 intellectuals, um, it was widely published on media. Uh, it, it, it is still a discussion. Uh, they published last week, but it's still a discussion. Uh, I just read a few minutes ago that uh, I think 60 other intellectuals, uh, professors, doctors, uh, historic people, uh, wrote uh, uh, another letter asking Scholz to deliver more weapons, to deliver faster and to uh, stand by Ukraine. None uh, of, of, or almost uh, the majority here in Germany understands why Scholz was, wasn't in, in Kiev. Uh, yesterday, the, the opposition leader uh, drove to, to Kiev and um, uh, showed some, some support. Uh, and Olaf Scholz is completely blocking everything because, as I said, in my opinion, there are boundaries that we may um, discover in the near future uh, of politics, um, ties with um, German and Russian parties. Um, but I hope, like, like I said uh, one hour ago, I think we have, as individuals, do much more um, that this war and soon as possible because like um like wendy said 
one minute delay in, in delivering and not retweeting and, and um, not showing uh, to your parents the awful uh, pictures of Bucha, um, of the dead people, will prolong this war um, more. And um, we, we are in German, uh, we are in Europe, um, in our houses, in warm houses, and, and um, there is a catastrophe in, going on in Ukraine. And everyone should do what, what they can do to, to stop this. Thank you. Well, M, if you allow me. M? Yes, sir. Please go ahead. Sure. I think it's the right time, uh, given the fact what has been already conveyed by various people, both those who are in tune with European politics and those who actually have um, an interest in continental Europe or in Germany, for that matter, um, to see the pragmatic end of this. And that's, that's the part. Some countries are significantly more complicated, difficult than others. France and Germany being both uh, a case in question. The good thing is that uh, Germany is not run by its politicians. Germany is run by industry, quite literally. And that is the main difference to the model which you see in France, where everything is run essentially by politics. German politics defers to industry to an extent, uh, whenever necessary, whenever they can. And uh, they, from time to time, they give the wrong guidelines. These wrong guidelines, I think, have now been extensively discussed over the past couple of weeks, and we've seen the impact of this, of course, over time. And uh, I think the German population, as well as if you poll German industry and business, have a very, very clear, staunch dedication to Ukraine being supported. German industry, actually, more so even, and that is runs contrary to conventional wisdom and tabloid reporting everywhere else, German industry even more so by now than uh, um, some parts of German uh, political segments. So if you were to disaggregate um, polls and uh, voting behavior and currently tested opinions, you would find out that most of the German Mittelstand significantly abhors the investment climate as a result of the Russian invasion. They significantly abhor what Russians have done and what the Russian government has induced. They cannot understand as to why on earth we would not adapt earlier. And that is an interesting feature because it bodes well for the future because most of the growth in Europe comes out of, just like in Northern Italy as well, and just like in Britain, comes out of medium-sized companies with innovative capacity and manufacturing capacity. And uh, it doesn't really matter which sector it is. You can all grab them, whether it's, uh, say, <laughs> the good old steel and cast iron or weapons manufacturers, or whether it is biotechnology and the likes, and biotechnology reaching into agriculture, where Ukraine plays a significantly better role, not only in the part, in recent past, and uh, even today under the oppression of the war, but also in the future. So as such, this bodes well. What we're all complaining about is the dithering, the bureaucracy, and the failings of a political elite. Fortunately, that is already being um, 
shall we say, the political elite has now seen how empty its own promises to the population were. The political elite has now seen that it actually has very little to argue with the population as such. If more than 82% of Germans are staunchly in favor across all polls, and I've quoted this many times over the past couple of weeks, because you have to look at what are the, re the real important questions being asked. The question is, are we in support of freedom? Are we in support of Ukraine? Do we recognize Russia as the aggressor? And if that is there, everything else builds from there, because you can educate your population and your public as to what actually is needed, because what is needed is required by the Ukrainian government, as opposed to what we often in the West say, oh, they should have this and they should have that. No, the Ukrainian government has made it exceptionally clear as to what they want. And as long as we deliver this, meaning we have it, we ship it, we can build it, we ship it. They ask for it and we have it, we bloody well ship it. That is the only thing, and that is where I agree with my British friends, that we, you can either anticipate this and guide your population alongside this, or you can be reactive. Most of continental Europe in the, the larger countries has been reactive. <laughs> Sorry, apologies. Nobody currently talks about the Italian government and its absolute resistance and dithering. Nobody talks about the French government since the elections because everybody hopes that now, gosh almighty, Macron will actually do something. Has he done something and reined in the parade of certain of his uh, French cadres and his companies? Not quite yet. There is a number of these companies still active in Russia, which sends a political signal because uh, Russia understands how France operates. On the other hand, France has, from the very get-go, as M has often highlighted, created a very credible nuclear deterrence earlier than anybody else because they know how to draw a line and make it clear. That communication, this strategic communication, is important. The same is, of course, if you actually ship the things which people want. So the German government now has to make a decision, and that is the key aspect. The German chancellor has in front of them a batch of proposals. Thank you. I'm so lucky I'm getting coffee here. Um, German government has now a set of proposals hand to hand where the chancellor himself and his administrative staff, his head of staff, so to say, don't forget the last time there was an influential head of the staff and uh, the office of the chancellery, that was Mr. Steinmeier acting for Mr. Schroeder. Fortunately, none of these two are currently in charge because Steinmeier is just a president, which means that he has a more formal uh, function and uh, presides over things, but he does not have a political function other than sending signals of German benevolence, if anything. But the key thing is that the current chief of staff and uh, the chancellor have to decide where they want to be in a few years. Do they want to be in power? Do they want to be... Uh, in charge of how Germany integrates within Europe and within NATO? Or do they want to be discarded, not only by historians in future, but actually by their off-takers, by the customers of Germany? Do they want to simply eradicate the brand? And that is where German industry and German business comes to play. I think the, pre the pressure on the German government as it is today is so intense, so massive, because German companies export to the world. And if there's one brand they don't want to see tainted any further, it's made in Germany. And that bodes well for the decision-making capacity of this government being changed from within. Thank you, Axel. Uh, <clears throat> good 
Good afternoon, everyone. Louis, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah, just just um, to say that um, um, you you are absolutely cor correct, Axel. But the problem is here in Germany that um, what Schultz says and what he does are two uh, different things. So, uh, as Julia mentioned, on the fourth day of the war, Scholz came to the parliament, and uh, I think it was the parliament, and or a Bundestag, and said, uh, Zeitenwende, the time has changed, we will see a new era of um, relations between Germany and Russia, and um, the people... Uh, approved it and the people wanted it that um, Ukraine uh, has to be supported but nothing happened when I think that they took six weeks to give a signature to um, I think um, uh, what was the country delivering uh, tanks I don't, I don't know anymore um, just to give a signature they, they didn't have to deliver material just to give a signature that that country could deliver the tanks to Ukraine. It took six weeks. Um, that's why I say the words from Scholz do not um, uh, um, reflect what he is doing, because he is doing uh, till, uh, I think, uh, uh, last weekend, he, he was doing nothing. Last uh, week, the Bundestag um, made... Uh, a, propos a proposition that uh, we should deliver heavy weapons. Uh, all parties, I think, um, beside of uh, the right party, AFD, and another one, I think the Linke, uh, left party didn't um, sign, but all the other parties were um, um, accepted that. Um, I think that is, is um, um, something he has to react now, but um, from the the beginning of the war um, till now, um, it was two different things: his words and his his actions. And if you totally look agree. at the totally if uh, if you look at the reputation that uh, Germany already lost in these weeks in the sixty nine days of war, um, if, if uh, I'm, I come from Portugal, when I talk to Portugal, when I talk to uh, friends all over the world, they cannot believe that Germany, with the history behind it is so uh, afraid to 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 take a uh, position um, and uh, it's not uh, about no 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 please it's not about being afraid this is projection you have to understand the political and i think you do actually you do know that the political projection the political aim of this specific party and this specific elite of that party in government is a different one they have a completely different worldview they have a completely different um, political agenda and they want to solve their political issues as a middle power in a balancing act. And that is an ideological problem which is deeply vested in the party and therefore they cannot escape from that without imploding. Yeah. What we're seeing here is the slow implosion of, so of the social democracy of Germany. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And the slow implosion comes a bit late, unfortunately, as well as every implosion does. And uh, its decomposition is done, funnily enough, by those who initially lured them to the left, meaning the Greens. Thank you, Axel. Uh, thank you, Louis. Uh, Carl T., please go ahead.
Well, first of all, thank you for an absolutely fascinating space. Um, wow, have I enjoyed listening to these opinions and the people speak and the gentleman from England talking about Boris, who I completely and utterly agree with him on. Um, what I'm about to say is probably very, very controversial. Or what I'm about to ask is probably very, very controversial, I suppose. Um, has anybody talked about, has anybody read about, has anybody heard on whatever grapevine there is about plans for an assassination of Putin? It would seem like a logical thing for some people to be discussing. Certainly not in public. We are unaware of any assassination plots against Putin. We do not endorse assassination plots. Uh, and that's it. Armand Roy, please go ahead. Thank you, M, and thank you for the space and the host's contribution and all the speakers and listeners. I don't have much to add because I pretty much agree with what's been said. You know, I don't fear nuclear war, mainly because there's not any official that's threatened ex the existence of Russia or marching into Moscow. And also President Biden's words also at the beginning of this, of this war, he said, our forces are not and will not engage in the conflict with Russia in Ukraine. So for those reasons, yeah, I don't fear nuclear war. However, I, I did take one exception with someone that believes that somehow the debt service payment is a factor in the, in the calculus. I don't agree with that. But uh, finally, I just, I do ponder, I guess, the, the possible use of chemical weapons by Russia, because that's something they have done in the past. Uh, that's all. Thank you. Axel, would you like to comment on the use, possible use of uh, chemical weapons by the Russians? Well, if they want to, they can. Do I expect them to do it at the moment? No. There is no tactical use for chemical weapons at this point in time, whilst they still have sufficient capacity to bomb the shit out of Mariupol. I uh, doubt that they will move on to chemical weapons, given the... Um, how should I put this? There is so much already aggravation in the global public that uh, committing this prior to their parade, highly unlikely. Would they want to do it in a localized environment? Potentially. Would they do it and try to get away with it? Yes, possibly. Have they done it in the past and do they know how to administer their canister? Yes, they do. But I do not expect this at this point in time. They have certainly more than enough dumb ordinance to throw down. The only thing I would expect at some point in time, and I know that many people here may not like discussing this, that at some point in time they decide to utilize their strategic bombers and mid-range bombers and high-altitude drops of dump ordnance, which resembles essentially carpet bombing of the Second World War. 
That has not been done so far yet. We've discussed it with a couple of military people. It's absolutely possible. It is a not unlikely use of force. And it's something which, whilst it is equally insipid and insidious and completely atrocious, is what they could dish out and still justify as conventional warfare. Thank you, Axel. Good afternoon, everyone. If you would like to ask a question or bring up a topic for discussion, feel free to send us a speaker request. We will gladly answer your questions and discuss your topics to the extent of our knowledge. Please, when you join the speakers, raise a hand so that we can maintain a queue and get to you um, according to your order. And in the meanwhile, please share and retweet this space. Press the blue button on the bottom right of your screen with plus sign. Share and retweet. And indeed, if you want to, to ask a question or contribute, please uh, request a mic. Marek, please go ahead. Hello again. I want to say something about uh, the threat, uh, the Russians threatening about using uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, I agree that uh, this is uh, this is only uh, the way they they want to stop uh, international uh, uh, people from all, all over the world to 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 be to be afraid uh, and uh, to be uh, unfortunately uh, unfortunately uh, i think he putin knows that it it it, it isn't work, working but uh, yeah i think it's uh, uh, only propaganda uh, and it's only uh, the way in which he uh, wants to to make pressure uh, on us, uh, and we here in Poland we have uh, saying the history is a uh, life life teacher, and uh, everyone who knows history, uh, I think, know that uh, if. I, I, I know that uh, the so-called alternative history is, is not something which we all like, but uh, I'm always sure that uh, if, if uh, our neighbors or even uh, countries uh, uh, weighing further uh, than, than Poland, uh, behaved uh, in a different way uh, before the Second World War started. Uh, 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 millions of millions of uh, uh, people's lives would be uh, saved. And now, uh, I think I, I want to. I I'm going to say something un unpopular, but uh, the, the thing I. One thing I, I I'm um, still having in my 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 mind is not uh, even though I know uh, uh, if R Russia 
use uh, uses uh, a nuclear weapon one of it we would for 100% uh, be uh, thrown into polish territory uh, it's not a thing i'm i'm thinking of but uh, what is a shame i think is uh, our armies are not helping uh, in Ukraine right now, because this is the only way uh, world would avoid uh, disaster in the future. Uh, for uh, the only 